This morning, we're going to do something a little bit differently. Some of you know Cheryl Parrish. She's here this morning. Cheryl has attended our church for six years along with her husband, Joe. Two years ago, Cheryl's son, Clint, was diagnosed with stage four colorectal cancer. And on April 18th of this year, at the age of 40, Cheryl's precious son, Clint, passed away. This morning, I'm going to read to you what Cheryl wrote for our Advent Art Project, Exploring Light Coming Into the Darkness. And after that, we'll look a little bit at the life of Mary and then ask together what Cheryl and Mary might say to us today. Cheryl's piece is called Mary and Me. I am in no way comparing myself to Mary. I'm simply noting several similarities and shared experiences. When I go to the Bible, I'm drawn to something relatable. And Mary is the one person I can connect with. Like Mary, I was surprised to find out that I was pregnant. Mary being young and a virgin, myself having medical reasons. Mary and I both carried a child a son, having no idea what to expect. Neither of us prepared to raise a child or deal with what would ultimately transpire in too few years. The magic and the miracle, the wonderment of bringing a life into this world. I don't know what Mary felt when the time came for her to deliver, but I know I was afraid, not of the pain of birth, but from the, what do I know? Although Mary had Joseph by her side, I can't help but wonder if she didn't feel a little bit alone. Joseph was her husband, he stood by her, but the knowledge of who she was and who she was about to deliver and the how of it all had to be overwhelming. It must have made her feel very alone. I too was alone. Watching your son grow 
and enjoying every minute of him. The warmth you feel from his smile, the pride you feel at his accomplishments, the unconditional love, the very special bond that exists between a mother and her son. Then the day comes when you realize that you have no control over events and outcomes. We watched as our sons went through unimaginable pain and suffering. We witnessed our sons reach beyond human endurance and bravely fight until they had no strength left. As a mother, you feel helpless to protect them. You want to, but you cannot. Your very heart is torn from your body. The horror unfolding before you imprinted forever in your mind. There is screaming, questions, and unyielding sorrow. I imagine that Mary felt betrayed, just as I did. How can you be blessed with such an amazing gift only to have it taken? And how can a loving God allow such suffering? Why are some saved and some not? I believe Mary screamed as I did. I believe Mary felt lost and forgotten as I did. And although it says that Mary acknowledged that it was God's will, I can't believe that it didn't affect her greatly. Was her faith shaken? It's hard to believe she was ever the same after. I know that I have been forever changed. There isn't much reference in the Bible to Mary after resurrection. Is it because her story was completed? Is it because her perfect purpose had been fulfilled? What was her life like after her son's death? Seeing how her life started, I wonder how she felt as her life ended. So many questions and so few answers. Perhaps faith Belief is simply accepting there will never be a tangible resolution. This world is so imperfect, so broken. There has to be something awaiting us. The hope for something better has to be. I cling to the joy of Christmas. I embrace 
the hope. I trust the miracle. I need the assurances brought forth from the child. Amen. Thank you, Cheryl. I've been working on this every time, how to transition. <laughs> oh, God. Thank you for our friend and our sister. Thank you, God, that you are Emmanuel, God with us. So help us to feel your presence here with us, around us, loving us, caring for us speaking to us. We love you, Jesus. Amen. While we conceive of God as both embodying genders and transcending them, the Bible itself is quite gendered. It was written thousands of years ago before anybody was critiquing patriarchy. It begins with 12 tribes of Israel, which Jesus intentionally reconstitutes with 12 disciples, all male. In between, there's judges, kings, prophets, mostly male. This is a quote from the United Methodist Church, their general commission on the status and role of women. They're talking about how to make the Bible inspiring to children, but particularly girls and particularly around women in the scripture. This is their quote. Women of importance in the Bible were mostly sex workers, queens, and barren women in need of children. These aren't exactly kid-friendly stories, and they're not very diverse stories either. It's difficult to tell stories when characters are unnamed, as so many scriptural women are. Many women are identified only in relation to men, wife of, daughter of, sister of, etc. How can our children remember characters without names? Of course, there's notable exceptions like Deborah, Esther, Priscilla, Junior, who are champions in their own right. Still, it remains that, as we have to, that we as women have to do hard work to find ourselves in the biblical narrative. We actually owe a lot to the womanist tradition who have begun the work of imagining female characters and fleshing out their stories. It is into this dearth that Mary comes. Mary, the mother of God. This morning, we're going to read Mary's story told in Luke and see what Mary and Cheryl invite us into. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, 
God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered, what kind of greeting might this be? But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you're to call him Jesus. He'll be great, and he'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary, asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? I actually, I love this question because likely for the rest of Mary's life, she's going to spend it pondering what the angel meant. Like it might go something like, okay, he'll be great. I, I guess a lot of people do great things. The son of the most high. God will give him David's throne. Like what, what does that even mean? We already have Caesar and we have Pilate. He'll reign forever. Does that mean he'll never die? Is my son the Messiah? But of course, she lands on the most immediate and tangible question. Wait, I'm a virgin. The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Oh, thanks. Now I understand with that clarification. <laughs> Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. When Cheryl wrote her reflection, she became a theologian in the tradition of womanist theologians. She is imagining Mary's experience, her youngness, her unpreparedness, the surprise of it all. There had been no anticipation no forewarning. Mary's simple yes to the angel seems to be her story. Well, we don't have a book called the Book of Mary, but we do have glimpses into her life. A young girl who says yes to God and instantly and irrevocably blesses all of creation. A mom searching for her adolescent son, still trying to understand that, of course, he needed to be at his father's house. 
a bold mother instigating the first miracle at the wedding of Cana in Galilee. Insistent. A mom who worries about her son and his subversive tendencies even when clearly he was too old for rescuing. A mom who loves her boy so much she could miss out on God's purposes. A mom who spent a lifetime trying to see as only those with eyes to see can see. A mom, as Cheryl noted, with the unimaginable strength to watch her child suffer. A mom who hears the invitation to become mother to many, to all. And then in the book of Acts, maybe my favorite words about Mary, because maybe we're all wondering now, like Cheryl, how she survived. What did her grief look like? What mercy did God show the mother of our Lord? And in Acts 1 verse 12, it says, Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Once again, the women, I'm trying to do quotes, <laughs> nameless, faithful, brave women, but this time they stand with Jesus' nameless brothers while Mary is forever known as mother of the risen king. Mary says to us, I am still here. I am with my new extended family. I am seeing with one who has the eyes to see. I imagine Mary in her own pain, still grieving, still healing, but also caring, nurturing, being mom to all. I imagine her life of prayer that she has cultivated since she said yes to God 30 years earlier. I consider the fruits of her watching her son for those 30 years, first caring for his every need, then slowly doing what all parents must do, letting go, encouraging our children to find their own way, understand their own mission, respond to their own invitations and their own angels. 
but also 30 years of proximity to God's son, discerning, meaning-making, becoming wise. Mary, who like God, like all of us, just is. Yes, she is mom, she is early church leader, she is worshiper. But like all of us, Mary is Mary. So with our remaining time, I want to ask what my friend Cheryl and Mary might be inviting us into this third Sunday of Advent, this Sunday of joy. Number one, Mary and Cheryl invite us to live what's real and to grieve as long as we grieve. Mary, heeding Jesus' words, goes on to be a mother in this new little sect of Jesus' followers. I imagine she's braver, more full of imagination, closer to God. I don't know if that's true. But when I spent time with Cheryl recently, and she read to me some of the beautiful reflections that she's written this past year, one of her friends calls them Psalms, Cheryl's Psalms. As she read them, I felt the distance between me and God shrink. Something about being together, something about suffering, I wonder if the more stripped of pretense, the more stripped of spin, the more stripped of ego we are, the more space there is for God. Maybe it is the psalmist's rawness that makes the psalm still so meaningful and relevant for us today. Mary and Cheryl invite us to grieve as a way of life and to live into our lives fully and authentically. Two, Mary and Cheryl invite all of us, however we identify in terms of genders, to be loving mothers. We are all invited to nurture and to care for from that deep place of compassion, to care for our fellow humans and all of creation. We are invited to be activists of all kinds and care for. We're invited to love and nurture and care for and groan with all of creation. Cheryl never stopped praying for her son. She felt his pain as though it was her own. There was no, this is his pain, not mine. Her groans and screams are humanity's groans and screams as we let ourselves love and care for the world around us. Cheryl and Mary invite us to ask our questions. Mary asked the questions she knew to ask as a young girl, and Cheryl asks the questions as one who has lived. Give yourself permission to face the questions you have and to ask them.
and 4. Consider faith and belief as a life without resolution. I imagine Mary pining for Jesus, wondering why it had to play out this way. I imagine her wrestling to make peace with what she didn't choose. I imagine her coming to a conclusion similar to Cheryl's. I have more questions than answers. No neat little resolutions, just a child. I'll close with this. Cheryl's retiring this year. I hope that's okay to say. <laughs> no to self, ask first, <laughs> then say. I asked her, Cheryl, what do you hope to do with your retirement? She said, I want to volunteer, you know? I want to serve people. I'd like to take classes. I think I'm going to learn another language. Cheryl and Mary invite us to keep living. Amen. I'll close inviting us all to stand together, and we're going to recite the first few lines of Mary's Magnificat as though we are praying these words. So we can all read together. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. Amen.